This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X5 gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. We are thrilled that this podcast is gaining recognition as a resource for business and entrepreneurs. From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com, to Fit Small Business, uh, Proven, Uh, we just were named by um, People First as uh, one of the best podcasts to listen to for business, and we're thrilled about um, all those lists, and just the recognition that this is a place that small business owners and sales professionals can go to get the information that they need so that they can do better things with their business. Uh, It really is due to the guests that come on the podcast. These folks have expertise in various areas of business, and they join me to have a conversation where they share their time and their expertise for all of you. Today, we actually are um, fortunate to have two people. Uh, My guests today are Brian Harmon and Stephanie Taglianetti. Brian is a, uh, an American businessman who's been working in corporate leadership and supply chain management since 2005. He studied global finance, leadership, and management sciences at the University of Oxford and Pepperdine University. Stephanie is a creative writer from New York, a master of fine arts 
literally, and she has a master's degree in fine arts from CalArts, the school founded by Walt Disney. She's also a brilliant musician and jazz singer. Thank you both for joining me today. We're happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Yeah, thanks so much for that great intro. Absolutely. So today we're talking about storytelling. Um, and, and I'm wondering uh, if you can share how you're using storytelling to change the world. Sure. Storytelling, in my mind, it's at the forefront in every moment, every interaction, everything that I do, everything that I study, everything that I try to help others with. The way that we're using storytelling in the world is by helping young business people, college students, young professionals to help craft their personal story, their vision for the future. Uh, recently, I got back from Lima, Peru, where I was teaching uh, some storytelling workshops at the Universidad de Isan. These students are about to embark on a lifelong journey to find themselves in the world and to make a positive contribution to society and to the global economy. So as they prepare to go on and, and jump into these interviews, these discussions with networking, it's important that they, just like your last episode on heroic ownership, uh, discuss this in detail. It's important that these students and young business professionals have that storytelling uh, expertise at an advanced level so that they can go into the world and articulate and put language on things that sometimes people shy away from and they, they end up being too broad and they say things like, oh, I'm, I'm a social guy, I'm, a, I'm very fun. But that's not a story. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of us get stuck in that surface level banter where we're not allowing ourselves to be a little more vulnerable and deep with our conversations. So stories is the way that we're helping uh, uh, to do that. That's really great. So I have so many questions for you. One of them <laughs> is, <laughs> what's the difference between like stories in movies and stories in business? Oh, Brian, yeah, you want to take that? He talks about this a bit. Yeah, this, this is something that Stephanie and I debate on quite a bit. <laughs> as, as the artist side of this thing, uh, just, just to give you some background, I'm the, more the business person, and Stephanie is the creative mind behind our newest book. <laughs> but, we always, yeah, we always say we're like right brain, left brain teamed up in this perfect yeah, and, and that's kind of the movie thing that you asked is really an important distinction to make so what we talk about in our little debates here and there is movies are one of the things that help create a culture in our society we use movies as a way to relate to people and to talk to people but they're mostly for entertainment they're not specifically pushing culture we and the reason is because we all watch different movies and the stories within these movies tell different things. So in the last few years, there's been this really cool empowerment of women dialogue and narrative in the, in the movie scene with Wonder Woman and Rogue One and, and other movies like that, which we love to see. And it's had an impact on our society. I think we can all attest to that. But that's not the way that stories work in business because um, the, these things that are entertainment and shape our culture also need the business touch to drive instruction and inspiration towards something very specific and actionable. So, so in that way, they are kind of similar, except that we need to focus on that 
action piece a little bit more on the business side. Uh, so if you think of movies as shaping the culture in society, stories shape our culture in business. Mm. And I think yeah. something interesting too that we've talked about, Brian and I, especially in our book too, are the like oral traditions and storytelling and how your story can change and evolve with you and you can retell it the same or differently depending on your audience, depending on who's listening, who you're engaging with. So that's another interesting aspect that Brian and I talk about when we were sort of debating this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you can also, that same story can also change as you grow and learn and reassess exactly. what that story is, right? Because mm -hmm. yes. you look at it differently. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So um, I, I, I love this topic because I totally agree that storytelling is important. And I think too often in business, we, we've got these really rehearsed systems down mm -hmm. that no one listens to so they're a total waste of time and and the story is where you really learn about the person and how they tick and and what's going on so how does someone create a good story well in our book we sort of go through the the most important aspects of a story, you know, in, in writing, as you would consider like a writer or a novelist, we break apart each piece of the story that someone should implement into communicating. So we talk about character development, we talk about plot, we talk about um, setting and how each aspect of a story, a traditional story, is something that you can implement into a presentation, into the way that you speak about yourself. And what Brian and I are most interested in are making those real emotional, honest, and vulnerable connections with people. And Brian, if you want to add, you, you always talk about how the structure of the story is more important than the content of the story. Yeah, that is true, Stephanie. Thanks for calling that out. And, mm -hmm. and Diane, I, I didn't make that up or that's, that is my opinion. But although Harvard Business Review has some really great research that they've published about this specific, very, very niche research item, and that's the content of the story does make more of, sorry, the structure of a story makes more importance uh, on the impact of the audience than the content itself. And the reason that is, is because as we start a story and we talk about the setting, there has to be some buildup and tension of a problem or a struggle that mm -hmm. builds up the cortisol levels in our blood. We, we start to narrow in our focus. We're getting that, those little stress responders to kick us into gear. And then we hit to the climax of the story. And now it's time to back off those cortisol levels. Let's calm it back down. Let's tell some confirming statements that back up what has happened, what got us to that climax. So as we fall back down into that zone, we relax the audience again. And then we have a call to action in our closing remarks that, uh, you, you know, the way you can picture this is a triangle. The start of the story is the bottom of a triangle. Then you're going up the hill to the climax and then back down back down and there's these physical responses as a, as I was talking about with the cortisol levels and being able to add focus into your story to draw in the audience and engage them. Um, of course, you'll see from our book cover and the obscene nature of our <laughs> title, we think that it's really important to sprinkle in some humor quite a bit in that process. So it's not all, it's not all jokes about poop, uh, but it's also not all strict rigid structure either. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I think what's important too is being able to articulate your key messages, articulate your messages of your brand in engaging content. And and we were talking about this just just before. You know, it's going to be different depending on the audience, depending on the team, depending on who you're speaking with. And being able to have mastery of these skills as a storyteller and the the techniques that we're teaching in our book enable you to be aware of that, be aware of who you're talking to how you should be talking to them what's going to engage them and it all starts you know with you as a writer you as a storyteller and you know learning essential skills for communication okay how do you keep someone this may sound like a strange question but Mm -hmm. how do you keep someone from learning the process but not internalizing it so that it's a natural so there's natural delivery. Yeah, that's, there's only one answer for that, and it's practice. So yeah. if you take every single leadership opportunity to practice that, to practice a story, uh, even my boss, he read the book, and he's, you know, I think he picked up the book because he didn't want to see some negative things about that, uh, <laughs> our interactions in there, and he, mm-hmm. he's trying to, trying to see, or, or maybe it was just for support. But nonetheless, my, my boss read this book about bad leaders, and he's telling me about his leadership with me uh, in the workplace. And I'm trying to tell him to be comfortable about the fact that we can discuss this. And instead of just saying, you know, this story is not about you, I actually told him a story from the book. Uh, and I used that opportunity as one to tell a story and to make him feel comfortable with the fact that I wasn't writing about his bad leadership. He's incredible. And a lot of the good tips from the book came from him, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so every so opportunity let's talk about- is, is a good way to practice. Uh-huh. I, I don't believe that there's natural-born leaders or natural-born public speakers. It, it's only by practice. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about leadership because um, do you say that the, the storytelling is – really the language of leadership and and why is that what what is it about leadership or storytelling that they come together that way it comes down to the fact that leaders are the one holding the torch they have to show how they're going to steer the ship how they're going to overcome a storm how they're going to do anything that they do through clarity through engagement and through bringing on this leader-like behavior uh, without stories, without engaging the people to uh, get involved in a vision or to overcome a challenge. Uh, I don't don't really think that there is another way to lead. Uh, This really stems from the fact that uh, in some of my past businesses, I have two failed businesses before uh, in, in my personal career. There were businesses that I started and I really tried hard to make them work. But over the course of the couple of years, I didn't really know what was going wrong. And I kept blaming people and blaming other things for my failure. And throughout the process, I came to this realization a lot through uh, academic reading and school and research and developing as a, a leader myself. I realized that the leader has to take ultimate responsibility for the failures. Um, and in, and in doing that, 
now I incorporate that into my story that I tell today is the, that, that I wasn't perfect and, and I did have these failures. And one of my huge failures in those first two businesses were the fact that I didn't tell a story about the business. There was no vision uh, for the future. There was no story that linked people to jump behind me. It was just me trying to sell uh -huh. something. No one cares about that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because storytelling is what gets the buy-in. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. To make a real yeah. connection, it's, that's a, it's a way of marketing is telling stories. Yep, yep, I get that. So Stephanie and I do these storytelling workshops to help people to practice the storytelling. And one of the things that I tell them is, tell me your story for the history of humanity. And what they do is I, I try to push them all the way back towards, uh, let's say, the Jurassic period. And um, the history of the earth evolved through uh, a story of survival. So there's no dinosaurs anymore because they didn't survive. And so we go through this pattern of different species not surviving. And then we finally get to these humans who are uh, e evolving. And what they had to do was survive against the other animals and predators that were around and this story of survival uh, and cohabitating with animals, you know, there's some separation there. What, what makes us different than animals and why has our species evolved? So we have, you know, obviously the, the things that everyone thinks of is, Oh, the opposable thumbs. Well, the opposable thumbs gave us language that we could develop over different generations. And the reason we wanted language was so that we could pass our stories on to the next generation. And within those stories gave us the ability to create civilized society. Uh, so, so my point of that is stories are everything. It's the reason we've developed and evolved. It's the reason we've survived. And, and, and telling those stories, we always think back to these really famous leaders like Martin Luther King and, and others like him, Abraham Lincoln, their story the, the reason they were so successful at leadership was because they were also the best storytellers. Mm -hmm. it, it's so impactful on everything. It, it's how history gets shared. It's how mm -hmm. lessons are shared and, and learned to some degree. Um, you know, granted some lessons people have to learn on their own, but having, yeah. but even being able to tell the story, um, even if someone then has to learn on their own, they've got that to refer back to and it gives mm -hmm. it, more of a, a foundation of truth. Um, okay, I have to take a quick sponsor break and then we will continue. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash business growth. You get one free audiobook and a one month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 8020 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the books that are of interest to you and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're talking with Brian and Stephanie about the value of storytelling in business and leadership. So what are, what are some storytelling techniques that people can use to build trust? Brian, do you want to talk about um, humor? Yeah. So storytelling, 
is always a way to use humor to gain trust. And the, the, the way, you know, I, I always come back to these funny primal stories about the history of humans. And the reason I do that is because I want to understand psychologically what, what is happening in our minds that makes us trust people after they tell a good story. In our book, we talk about George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. For the very reason that we're studying how they used their stories to gain trust. And out of those three, there was one in particular that used humor the most. And I think mm -hmm. we'll be surprised by this answer. It was Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Okay, huh. so now I'm going to connect that back to this weird primal history. Of, uh, so, well, it's funny. We were just talking about, you know, primal nature, and here we are again. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's an analogy I like. Uh, uh, but, but let's talk about laughter and how it can gain trust by the people that you're speaking with. If you're laughing, your body, physically, your neck raises up and you say, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> the, uh, you know, hopefully in a less cheesy format of a laugh. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> your, your you, typically your, your heart is facing their heart with open body language. And then to even open up that body language further, your neck raises up, completely exposing your neck to the other person. This is only an action that people do when they trust and accept you. Because we're not going to be laughing at predators uh, if they tell a joke. It's just yeah. not funny. <laughs> we close down our body language. We maybe slouch our shoulders forward. We cross our arms, that type of uh, uh, physical activity. So by using humor in the story, you can tend to build up that trust. You have to be timely with the way you use it. Oftentimes what I find in, in business is you never want to be known as the funny guy. And that's the only thing that you do. You have to link in the, link in the humor with some deep conversation and vulnerability on your own part. Because mm -hmm. if you're funny all the time, people won't take you seriously. They'll think that that's your way uh, to have a defense mechanism to avoid the deep conversations. So it's yeah. important that you use humor to build trust while using other things as well. Oh. Yeah, and something okay. that, that Brian and I also talk about is um, how relatable humor is always the best. Like I always ruminate on um, folks like Ellen DeGeneres or there's um, a comedian called Sebastian Maniscalco. And what, what they do is they tell stories um, with humor that we can all relate to because we've all been there. Like Ellen DeGeneres talks about annoying people in the movie theater or Sebastian Maniscalco will talk about people who are irritating in a, in a line at, a, at a, like a frozen yogurt stand. And we think those stories are funny because we can think back to those moments and put ourselves in those shoes and really relate to them. So right. that's another way of, of, of connecting with people and having that shared sense of trust and relatability with people is being open and honest, vulnerable, and relatable with your humor in your stories. Perfect. Okay, so now we're going to turn to a subject that uh, is hotly debated uh, by many, many people, and it's PowerPoint. And a lot of people have different viewpoints about PowerPoint. I know some people who, who never, ever use one because they are just totally anti-anti, and I know other people who use them, and then there's people who say, okay, well, if you use it properly, it, mm -hmm. it can be tremendously effective, right? So how do you turn a PowerPoint presentation into something that really is meaningful and, and has an impactful story? Um, the, the PowerPoint, I have mixed opinions on the PowerPoint. Yeah, so do I. Ultimately, the PowerPoint is a really powerful 
useful tool if you use it to <laughs> emphasize the points in your stories instead of using it as a an anchor <laughs> down the whole time. Yeah. So, so right. a couple of things. The mechanics of a PowerPoint. Uh, what Stephanie and I do for our clients is we like to emphasize the importance of being brief and short, using yeah. the theory of colors to make the titles red, big fonts, white background, black letters. Very simple. If, if you're going to use imagery, it has to have a reason. I don't want to have a little clown face on something that's funny just because it's funny. What does the clown mean? Here's mm -hmm. another one that we do during our presentations. If, if I'm going to meet with someone at Microsoft, who I often may meet with because I have a contract negotiation, et cetera, or I'm doing some consulting work. Why wouldn't I take the initiative to wear Microsoft colors physically ah. in my outfit? Maybe I wear a tie that has a subtle cue that those colors are there for them. And I don't even have to say it, but it's just yeah. a subtle cue that shows I respect what you're doing with your company and I'm here to help you. So, so there's, there's other ways to use subtle cues in the PowerPoint as well. Um, and I think I'd, I'd just like to piggyback. Um, Brian and I both come from like an education background. We both have experience teaching. And I know as a teacher, there are many, many different ways of learning and, and people engage with content in different ways. So I, I don't want to, you know, write out PowerPoint entirely. I think that having visual engagement is really important for some people. Um, but I think what Brian mentioned earlier that is the most important point is that if you're becoming too reliant on the words that you wrote down on this PowerPoint, um, there's a saying like should have been an email like we we could have just been emailed your PowerPoint if you're going to stand there and read it to us, you know, that's yeah. not that's not yeah. engaging either. So it's totally about the ways that you use it. And also Absolutely. the PowerPoint. It's a good way to get some information and data to someone that so long as you connect it to an instruction or a call to action. And, mm. and there's also no reason that a PowerPoint shouldn't be built up in that same triangle format where first you set the setting. Totally. That's the beginning of the PowerPoint. Then in the, the next, let's say slide number two is the problem, the tension, the struggle builds up. Now everyone's ready for your big solution, which is the climax of the story. Then after that, you're going, coming back down the triangle. So you're putting a couple pieces of supporting evidence. And last slide is call to action. Here's what we can do now. Actionable behaviors that will help to fix this now. Totally. And I think that, that the, the ways that PowerPoints are used um, in best practice are when you know, what's, what's up there are just building blocks for the conversation, you know, notes yeah. that you branch off of and, you know, things that the people who are viewing this presentation can also remark on or raise questions about. And, you know, because it lives up there on the screen, you don't forget the main points and you're able to call back to these details because it's up there for you. It's sort of like the tell them what you're going to say and then you tell them thing like it's up there for them to, yeah, keep, right, to keep reminding right. them the main key points. Yeah. One time, Diane, I have a funny story for you. Great. One time at Biomarin Pharmaceutical <laughs> when I was working on uh, talking to a group where there was obviously some tension in the room and there was tension building for a few weeks. So what I did on my PowerPoint is instead of bringing my presentation, I just put up a picture of one of our smiling patients. <laughs> And I started the meeting off by putting everyone back to that grounded place where the reason that we're all here is because we have to solve a rare disease problem for a patient who was born with a genetic defect. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do that if we're going to 
be here arguing over who's going to take credit and ownership of this project. Those are so minute in the big picture. Let's focus on uh, uh, the forward movement of this issue. And uh, so, so essentially the rest of that meeting, we went around the room and we talked about our favorite moments at work. Uh, we, we went back to a place where we could build on that team environment, that team dynamic from scratch. So it was like a reset button. Sometimes you can use PowerPoint to do things like that as well. So uh, I, I don't think that PowerPoint is a bad tool. I just think it's a misused tool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you guys. And I, and I, and I like, um, I know when I use it, and, and I don't use it all the time, but when I do, uh, it just has like markers on it to keep me on track. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I forget to use it because I get so involved in the conversation that right. like, when I do trainings, I, mm -hmm. it's pointless for me to have a PowerPoint. Um, so, and I've had people ask me for my slides and I'm thinking, okay, you can have them, but they're all pictures. They're not going to mean anything to you because there's yeah. no words on them, right? Because I want you to listen to me, not read what's up on the on the screen. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I like all of that. Um, and thinking about the storyline, I think would be really helpful for people who feel like they have to tell everything on the PowerPoint. Right. If they can just have right, just like those those points, and then they tell the story mm -hmm. as they're going on, it'd be so much better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it requires a, a, a deal of preparation on their end. You know, they might have to go through these PowerPoint slides a few times to, to you know, really be able to tell that story. Yeah. We also talk about in the book, and Stephanie and I in person a lot when we're having discussions about what we want to write next, is a lot about public speaking and how you present uh, yourself and how you, how you uh, physically use the presentation. So... Contrary to popular belief where people say, you know, never turn your back to your audience. I think there's a good way to use that as a way to emphasize certain things. And I'm reminded yeah. of a couple of weeks ago when I was in Peru, this graduate student, he was actually a medical doctor going back to school to get his MBA. He was telling his personal story and he had a picture of his mother's funeral up on the PowerPoint, that was his only slide. And he wasn't looking at the slide until the very end. He turned towards the slide and said a little prayer to it with his back to the audience. And it kind of gave everyone in the room this really kind of honored and respected moment. And he was, yeah. he was breaking every rule of presentation 101. <laughs> he was doing it in a way that showed his vulnerability got everyone else to kind of respect what was happening there at that moment. And I think he had to sit facing that slide for an extra few seconds to kind of compose himself. Uh, but, but even in less dramatic situations, I, I don't think it's a problem to go up and touch the slide, bang on that screen a few times. If you have to, if you're yeah. trying to really drop down a point, you can be dramatic when you get to the climax and the solution and show that you're excited about, you know, this is, I, I've, so excited to be on this project. This point in the presentation has been a long time coming and we're finally here. Here's the climax. You raise your hands above your shoulders. You go up and you bang on the slide a few times up, up there in the presentation wall and, you know, get, get people, get people pumped up, get them fired up. Yeah. 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 I, I, I it's so impactful. And 
part of what I really like about that is that, of course, there are guidelines and there are rules, and mm-hmm. sometimes you should break them. Totally. Right? Yeah. That if you're really in, in um, really connected to wanting to express something, wanting to share a story, you can't be so tied to the rules. And that was part of the reason I, I asked the question earlier about how do you keep people from being really getting the mechanics down but not really owning it and, and, you know, practicing is absolutely, I think the mm-hmm. other part is understanding that right. you're trying to connect, right? That, that the more you, you can be, the better you're going to be able to connect with the audience. Yeah. Diane, that's a really big point. And, and actually I'm glad you brought it up because when I was talking about Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., they weren't textbook leaders. These aren't mm-hmm. people yeah. that went to, get their MBA and they popped out and it's structure, structure, and I'm the leader and this is how I talk and I have a suit on. They were not like that. They had so many little individualism points to every little thing they did. And they were not similar in any way besides the fact that they were good at communicating their stories. Uh, So yeah, being yourself is one of the most underrated things, not conforming to things, be a little goofy or funny if that's who you are. Um, you know, Stephanie's a jazz singer and, uh, likes to break out in mid workshop. Uh, (laughs) We are who we are. There's no reason to hide that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. So, so tell me how, um, people can find, tell, tell us about the book, um, and how people can find it, and then about the workshops and things that you do, and how people could could learn about those as well, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Our, our consulting firm is called Business Management Hallmark. Uh, the The word Hallmark stands for the fact that we're putting Stephanie and I our personal stamp of approval on anything that we do, bringing our full passion and pride to to all of our work. Our book is on Amazon. It's called Learn, Laugh, Lead: How to Avoid a Huge Leadership. Uh, we're, we're definitely working on a few more books in this series that's called Learn, Laugh, Lead. So if you look that up on Amazon, that'd be a quick way to find our book. We're also having a free webinar series that you could sign up for on our website, which is bmhallmark.com. Uh, there's also some other cool stuff there and links to podcasts and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Okay. That's so great. Thank you so much for, for being here and sharing this information. It's so valuable and um, you guys, you have a great take on it. You know, I mean, you really do. And, and it, it's really uh, refreshing to listen to. And I think something that people can connect to and, and it'll resonate with them and help them be better at telling oh, yeah, their that's, story. That's so. the main idea is we want to help people yeah. tell their stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Diane, absolutely. thanks for having us. This is a huge opportunity for us and one of the first podcasts that we're on. So thank you. I, thank I you. really have enjoyed the last few of your episodes and can't wait to listen to this one. Thank you so much. Oh, well, well thank you. And, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad to be part of your initial launch. Thank you. Yeah, I've subscribed and I've, I've given you five stars for awesomeness. Audience can uh, help us out with our Amazon reviews because right now it's basically just my mom and Stephanie's mom. So. <laughs> yeah, any, any help well, too. I'll go review it. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Oh, it's really awesome. Oh gosh, thank you guys. I, I wish you all the, the best with this. I, I have to say that personally, one of the things that I like best about it is 
the humorous aspect of it. And you can tell that you're enjoying it and that you're not afraid to go out a little bit on the edge. Um, and it would just is great for me because I think people need to do that more often. So Thank you. good for you. <laughs> And I, of course, want to uh, thank our listeners, uh, you folks out there. Hey, this is what we're doing this for, and go get this book and sign up for the webinar and be better storytellers if you aren't already fabulous at it. <laughs> I'd also like everyone to remember to visit our sponsor, audible.com. Get a free trial and a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. Continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.